1: It's just
0: being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters, May 17th.
1: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life
0: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Brooklyn Bunker. Folks, it has been another long, trying week in America, and I just want us to just take a collective deep breath in and exhale it out. I have been meditating so much uh, over the past uh, couple of weeks. And, you know, for for me, you can never meditate, you can never sit quiet, you can never breathe enough. Um, and I have found once again, uh, myself in this space of swirling, uh, where the news is just coming at me so fast, uh, that I feel like a turnstile. And in those moments, in those times, I find that it is really important for me to be able to take, to bookend my day, uh, to start and finish my day with meditation, whether it's uh, a minute that I have to give or 20. Um, but it is really important because I have found in, in this new meditation practice that while we breathe every single day, Uh, And it's something that we don't think about. Uh, If you're not on a ventilator, for instance, um, then you're not thinking about your breath in and breath out. And that has us in a lot of ways focusing on everything else, right, Uh, that is coming in. And what I notice is that when I can pause, when I have the ability to pause, and I think that we should make conscious efforts to pause every day, that doing breath counts in counting up to four, right? Exhaling out the same amount, four, uh, deep exhale out. And you do that three times in a row, it really does level set you. Uh, It really does actually allow for your cortisone level to come down and for your shoulders to come down, for your eyebrows to come down, for your body to relax. And what I'm finding is that each and every day, spending time in Twitter, spending time watching cable news, reading all of the articles, all of the terrible things that Republicans are saying and action that they are taking and the inaction from Democrats has me in these moments where I am literally holding my breath. I can feel the tension building in my body. So I start out today saying that I want us all, uh, in woke AF nation to start being a bit more intentional about the breaths that we are taking. And when you find yourself getting tense, getting rigid, feeling tight, I want you to set a timer on your phone for 60 seconds and just focus on breathing in deeply and breathing out deeply for 60 seconds. Um, We can all spare that 60 seconds at the beginning of our day, in the middle of our day, and at the end of the day, and then build upon that. And I just want you all, and I offer that because again, I'm finding myself back in a place of stress and rigidity, and I'm trying desperately to fight against that. So I want to offer that to everyone. Set your timer on your phone, 60 seconds. If you can get into a quiet space, great. If you can't, Put in your earbuds, buds, put on, uh, some classical music, some tonal music, just some ocean sounds, anything, anything, uh, to block out whatever noise may be around you and take that 60 seconds three times a day. Um, and I promise you, you will begin to feel the difference. All right. So let's jump into the news of the day. Uh, once again, Republicans are saying all of the quiet things out loud. They are making it clear who they are attacking and why. And while the media would love for you to believe that you don't know what's in people's heart and we don't know what any of these bills mean. So let's all feign fucking ignorance as if we have no idea why, uh, conservative right-wing radical Christians would be attacking LGBTQ youth in over 30 states, right, with their legislation to essentially ostracize uh, transgender and gender non-binary youth from being able to participate in sports. Um, Let's pretend that we don't understand why Ron DeSantis would roll out legislation that would have you go back into a version of America where we can't even utter the word gay or LGBTQ or queer joining me today in conversation will be the new executive director of glisten an organization that has been near and dear to my heart for a very long time began in 19 in the 1990s by a group of teachers to help create more equity um, and safety and community in the classroom for lgbtq youth um, and i have worked with them over the course of probably 10, 12 years, um, when I was working in LGBTQ policy specifically, um, and, you know, wanting to bring to light really to, to the mainstream, why I had gotten into this work, how vulnerable this population is. And what's sad is that I hadn't really checked the the metrics, right? The numbers, the stats of how things have changed over the course of the last 10 to 15 years. And what I can say, what was alarming as I was researching for my interview uh, with Melanie Willingham Jaggers, who you'll hear from in a bit, and I hope you enjoy the conversation, is that the numbers haven't changed for LGBTQ youth. They are still over 40% uh, of homelessness in youth in the country. They are still um, in the high percentages of those youth that commit suicide. Um, And they are at high risk for alcoholism and drug use, right? Um, And those numbers haven't changed they really haven't changed over the decades and i'll start out my conversation you know with melanie in talking about how i can recall at the beginning the end of the bush years the beginning of the obama years when the it's Be- Get it when excuse me the it gets better campaign was launched and why was it launched because of the rash of suicides that were happening of LGBTQ youth in the country. And they were making headlines because it was like one after the other, after the other. And the Obama administration did a lot. They did a lot during that time to hold schools accountable for how they were creating community and safe environments for LGBTQ youth, particularly trans youth, um, and their ability to use the bathroom that associates with, associates with their gender identity. And to think that I was so excited to be one of the many people that were on the front lines for those fights, um, that we had won. And then to now witness the deep, backsliding that is happening right now in such a short span of time. And I've said this before, we know that, you know, progress is not linear. It does not, you know, have one range of trajectory, which is just forward. Unfortunately for every advance that we ever make in society, um, we take about 86 steps backwards. And that is the unfortunate case in America. And what troubles me now though, is that while we, while we may have created bright spots for LGBTQ youth and youth, you know, in general, in this country, I got to tell you, I wouldn't want to be a tween or a teenager right now. Uh, I, I actually wake up and I'm pretty happy that I'm the old age that I am because to have no voice and say, in the horrible direction that this country is headed in and just essentially be along for the ride until you turn 18. And then even then you're not really considered your, your feelings, uh, and your thoughts on issues of the day, like climate change, like gun control, the things that you're going to take on as your fight, you're not even taken seriously. So It's, it's a difficult, I think, place to be in, to be youth right now. Um, and to essentially be silenced by virtue of your inability to vote. But what we are seeing with this new, uh, I guess renewed, it's not even new, but a renewed attack on LGBT youth is that we can't take our eyes, um, off of our kids because the radical right um uses them like a fucking piñata right like you know for a fucking group that says that they are for family and for Jesus and for christianity they sure act like some outright motherfucking devils uh so let me just say that fucking clear and i'm really tired too of us using language like conservative As if to say that believing in justice and equity is something that is left-leaning and so outside of the field of imagination, right? They're not conservative. They are not God-fearing, right? They are actually evil individuals who could give a fuck about kids. What they want is assimilation. What they want is for queer people to feel shame and to be ashamed of themselves so much that you would never dare utter the word gay or queer or trans or non-binary, right? It's disgusting. And I want us to be honest and call it out for what it is. This isn't religious freedom. It's bigotry, right? You don't get to use your Bible to dictate to others how they should fucking live. You know, we we are we are a country that is a, is a filled with lies about separation between church and state. There is none. Have you ever seen a president sign off from conversation with the American people and not say God bless you and God bless troops? If in fact we did actually have real separation, then that wouldn't be your sign off. Right? be good luck. You know, uh, my thoughts are with you high vibrations to all, whatever the fuck it is. But the fact that we tie God into everything in this country then allows for these bigots to have a leg to stand on when they don't, when they should not. Right. And this, again, the lie that the right is spreading right now with regard to quote unquote, parental control is just another euphemism for bigotry and discrimination, but now allowing those bigoted parents to be able to sue. If you don't want your kids participating in the expansion of their minds, right into the freedoms and liberty of what it means to learn and become a global citizen, then maybe you should fucking pull them out and they should be homeschooled. But I know that not one parent should be able to dictate what it is that their kids learn or don't learn. Right. Like unless it is violent, unless it is dangerous, where where's the problem here? I thought that I think that we have lost um, our understanding of what the function of public school and schooling in general, regardless of what manifestation it comes in, what the purpose of it is. It is not a babysitting system for your kids. It is not uh, a factory that you put them on the line and, you know, you stamp them and give them the good, you know, housekeeping stamp that, okay, you've gotten a diploma. It is to create critical thinkers. It is to create change makers, people that are curious about the world around them and then feel empowered to do something about it. Right, like, And that's the thing that is lacking so deeply in the United States right now, which is a curiosity. There is such a regression in the way that we are thinking and examining ourselves and our culture and our society that it is evident that these rabid Republicans do not want you to think critically. They don't want you to think at all. They want you to assimilate and shut the fuck up. And, you know, in my conversation with Melanie, they will talk about how, you know, just the mere presence of queer people, of queer people of color, of people that, you know, live at the intersections of multiple identities, how we are a direct affront, right? To their design and their ideals of what America should be, right? And I think that that is important. Right. And that is why I say to stand firm in who you are, but to also take respite at times because the battering ram that is American culture and society right now is a fucking lot. And so in this conversation that I have coming up next with Melanie, we will talk about how youth are feeling in these times. And if you have kids or you are a teacher or an administrator or a caretaker, please do comment uh in the comment section and let me know what are some of the conversations you are having with your with your own children um or or children uh that you take care of or love. Um I I would love to hear how they are feeling uh about the climate that they are living in and if there is a nervousness if there is an anger, if there is a frustration that is there. So coming up next friends on this good Friday is my conversation with the new executive director of Glisten, Melanie Willingham Jaggers. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the very first time on their inaugural. Uh, week of becoming the new uh, head executive director of GLSEN, Melanie Willingham Jaggers, uh, the first black person, first non-binary person uh, to run GLSEN, an organization that was founded by a group of teachers back in the 1990s um, to really help LGBTQ youth uh, be able to feel pride in themselves and in, in their community, uh, going to school in K through 12 and kind of building out curriculum that is inclusive, um, and equitable. So Melanie first, congratulations, uh, on your appointment and your new position. I know that you joined Glisten back in 2019. Uh, how are you feeling?
1: Thank you so much. Uh, I'm feeling great. Um, it is I've been at Glisten since 2019, so it feels good not to be the new guy, but I absolutely feel like the new guy. Um, I woke up this morning, I'm like, oh, wow, the world knows I'm the executive director. Uh, let's go have a great day. <laughs> so feeling good. Thanks for having me on.
0: So, you know, you're coming on at a really, I don't know how to describe it, you know, some would say terrifying, some would say awful, some would say apocalyptic, I say all of those things, time. Um, in our culture, what does it mean to you first, before we delve into LGBTQ youth and people in general being placed back in the crosshairs of, uh, of conservatives, what does it mean to you to be the first black person appointed to this role and how, and how, if any way does that affect your perception, positioning, and vision for where we go with this organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. My identity informs kind of how I enter spaces and how I move through them. So I feel really lucky. I feel really fortunate. I know all the hard work that has gone into preparing Glisten for a leader like me and the work that I've done at GLSEN since 2019. Uh, and here's what I would say is that, you know, at at the heart of what I bring, and at the heart of what I believe um, and why I'm at is that education is fundamentally capable of being a liberating experience, right? It, we are literally able to go in, uh, put young people at five years old into a system, take them through education, and um, have them come out more whole at 18, more connected to the people around them, more connected to the world around them, and ready to engage powerfully in a multiracial democracy. That's the purpose of education, right? What does it mean to, edu- to fully educate people in order for them to participate knowingly, wisely in a in a democracy? That's why education is important. The other piece is that education has to be a liberated space, right? It has to be free from harm, but also full of what each learner needs in order to be fully successful the moment that they walk into or move into that school, in that school building and are as a part of that school community. so. That's the that's the purpose, right? Schools should be liberated and liberating. And we know that the future of our democracy, the future of our country, the future of the world, uh, you know, us collectively depends on us all being educated and us having access to, to education. So to me, it is not at all surprising, right? That conservative forces, anti-democratic forces People who are who have always been interested in controlling and destroying people who look like us, people who could not be controlled to the extent that we can't be commodified and generate and generate money for them. Of course, it does. It it fits completely into the existing frame um, of banning books of you know don't say gay in a classroom of parents have the right to uh, to tell an education system what their child should and should not learn versus being fully educated. To me, it's all part of a um coordinated attack right by extremists who are deeply anti-democratic um and deeply anti um anti-lgbtq plus right because fundamentally because queerness disrupts this idea and the lie right of white supremacy it um it disrupts and um and uncovers the falsehood of the gender binary um it makes uh, it it shows <laughs> it makes a mockery of um it shows the the beautiful diversity um that exists in the world um and it and it takes away it strips away um the lie of you can of only one thing is right and it really lets all of us um be exactly who we are
0: you know you you said so many so many important things and and i want to circle back to the top where you talked about education and our schooling system being a free and liberated space Mm -hmm. because that is the complete and total opposite Right, yeah. of how our okay. public education system has actually functioned. It's the reason why we've had charter schools and private schools, mm-hmm. uh, Catholic schools and the like to make sure, to ensure actually a very narrowed curriculum, That's right? right? Um, and the points in, that you connect with regard to how our society develops. I have often said, as a a former educator myself, I taught uh, elementary school, first and second grade, and I can say that one of the biggest proponents of white supremacy and patriarchy is, in fact, the public education system, because there are black and brown people and low-income people who don't have the ability to just pick up and put their children any place that they want. Right. So they are then beholden to a system that decides what it is they should and shouldn't learn, how they should feel themselves valued or devalued in the eyes of what is in the text that is in front of them. And so with those things being true, how do you think that we go about creating a conversation that is showing the blatant differences in how conservatives or, and I I don't even like to call them conservatives, how right-wing radicals see public education versus how we need to combat that message and explain, right, Mm -hmm. to parents, to caregivers, what a public education, what a free and liberated public education actually should be and look like and how it connects back to our society
1: yeah there's so much in there um i would start off by saying you know this is you know it is um the vision i've set the vision that we hold and that we're working toward at glisten is very far away um because it's transformative right because we see a system that is broken that is not serving any young person fully to the to the extent that it um that it needs to and I think that this is around education completely and totally, right? Not just public schools and differentiating them from charters or private or religious and parochial schools, but really thinking about ed- what is the job of education in a multiracial democracy? What does it need to um, what does it need to achieve and building from there? Right. That's the that's really the vision. Um, and again, you said so much, so please pull out the, the question if there's a specific question you want me to answer, but I would just say that. You know, the work of transformation is really around centering this education at the at the heart of our democratic project, right, at the heart of our civil of our civic and civil participation. And, of course, again, of course, the folks who um, are only able to stay in power given a small, um, given a small voting block, <laughs> given a small, given, uh, predicated on it, the more people you can exclude from voting, of course, they are going to have a very different idea than you and me of what a, of what an education should um, should accomplish. And frankly, their vision for what education should accomplish is winning right now, right? It's on the march. Oh yes. Um, oh, yes. This is what we, you know, we're seeing these don't say gay bills, or we're seeing these no promo homo laws, or we're seeing, you know, banning of books um, that reflect, Gender expansive um, young people as central characters being called indecent. It's like, well, actually, this is their this is their vision for what their world, for what their democracy will look like, and we have a different vision, and that's what we're fighting for.
0: I'm pretty sure that is not what democracy looks like. It's pretty much what you know, fascism yep. and authoritarianism looks yep. like when yep. you yep. know you go into the library and there are whole sections right. that no longer yep. hold any books. That's right. Um, that's right. So I mean that that literally that's the reality that we, that we're yeah. marching into. And you know, mm-hmm. when I was looking through um, the, the your your announcement, and I'm looking back and I have been thinking on the show back to the early 2000s, when in the headlines were the rash of suicides yeah. by LGBTQ youth. This is at the beginning of the, the end of the Bush years, beginning of the Obama yeah. years, where it was almost like for a month, yeah. every single like week, there were at least yeah. two or three, ma- and for every two or three major headlines, of yeah. course, there were many that we never know of young people as young as five, six years old, committing suicide, mm-hmm. right? Because of bullying. And then all of a sudden bullying, right? And anti-LGBT sentiments became mm-hmm. a focal point for the yeah. administration. What are we doing mm-hmm. uh, to right. ensure a safe learning environment for That's all right. children? Is it, is it crazy to you that at the beginning of this new century, we were in this place where it was about expansion And now here we are, 2022, but 12 some odd years later, and now we're in a place where we're going back to don't say gay, we're going back to don't ask, don't tell, and we're making our kids that political football. I mean, is that shocking to you or was it inevitable?
1: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of things. Um I was working with uh LGBTQ plus homeless and runaway youth at uh, in that time like 2009, 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. And um there was a young person who I knew and loved and was very close to who was part of the program I worked in um who also died by suicide in that time. And you know, it's it it, it was heartbreaking um and it has it really was a was a turning point um in my work life because I understood for the first time, both how the little thing I was doing as a life skills coordinator in the South Bronx, helping people get their, you know, documents that their parents had destroyed because they were angry that they were gay, getting those replaced, getting Mm -hmm. folks, you know, housing, teaching young people how to do laundry for the first time, et cetera. I understood how that, those everyday actions were part of a larger LGBTQ plus movement and community. Um, And, you know, thinking per, per your question, really thinking about what it is that we have to do to be good at our job to be changing the world to help make the world good enough for these young people to stick around in um, and so many young people chose not to um, and i think too many young people continue to struggle with like should i or should i not stay here um, and i hope that everyone decides to stay because i because we're working really hard every day to make the world better that said Um, I'm not surprised at the backlash, right? Whenever progress happens in this country, there's a backlash. We we have this theory in our minds, we have this idea that progress kind of only happens in one direction and that we are constantly getting better little by little, so if we compromise here, it's okay, or if we don't get this thing right now, it's fine. We'll come back and get it tomorrow or in 10 years. And actually, I think actually what we are experiencing are two tectonic plates, right? One of progress and democracy and inclusion, for a country that in, that, in, that sees every single person here as worthy of participation and representation and an anti-democratic understanding of the world, right? That is more authoritarian, that's more fascist, that is definitely white supremacist, et cetera. And what we are experiencing is the constant rubbing against each other of yeah. those tectonic plates. And when one advances, it creates a level of tension that it t- might take it a little while, but the other one's gonna shoot forward too, right? So. I understand um, uh, all of what we're experiencing right now as part of that part of that dynamic, right? The other thing I would say is that, um, and in that context, I think this is a little bit of good news, right? I think what this shows, I think what the backlash is, uh, the current backlash is showing is that there has been progress that's been made, right? And so that the pitched sense of, you know, oh my God, we're losing everything. Oh my God, the children. Oh my God, you know, all this you know, this harmful and false narrative that's coming up and gaining traction is absolutely because there is a small, vocal, dying, afraid, um, and violent, right, Um, hyper, uh, hyper politicized minority of folks, these extremists, who are scared, right, who see for the first time that they are, that they are really on the precipice of losing the narrative, right, and so Back in the '90s, when Glisten was founded, back in 1990, it was fine, right, to say that bullying is a part of life, right? It's like, yeah, hey, bullying yep. happens. You shouldn't be gay anyway, and if it toughen, happens, maybe toughen it'll, up, it'll, yeah, yeah, toughen up. Maybe it'll fix the problem. You know, you shouldn't be gay in the first place. That is now no longer politically feasible, right? Adults are no longer going to say that bullying absolutely still happens, targeting and harassment still happens, but no one is defending it as if it should exist, right? That's changed as a result of the work of GLSEN and so many other folks um, in, the, in this movement to, to really change the narrative. And so now looking at, you know, 1990, where it was also illegal to be gay in, you know, over half of the country, right? You, were, you couldn't be out and uh, at work and expect any kind of legal protection. You could expect to be ostracized and fired and targeted. And so the world has, sh- has shifted significantly and meaningfully in that time. And there's still so much more to do. All this to say that at this point, we continue to be at an inflection point. We continue to be at a point of tension where we cannot assume that progress is inevitable or it's going to happen without us fighting and clawing for every single bit of advancement. And so, you know, I think that I think that um, the the good news is that, you know, um, it's no longer politically feasible to talk about, you know, gay people and lesbian people shouldn't exist. They're not natural, et cetera. But what they've done, what this, what this, um, what our political opponents have done, is try to peel off queer people, try to peel off, uh, try to peel off trans people, um, and then at the at the heart of that, try to peel off trans children. It's like that is the that is the work of a desperate and sick um, mind. Uh, that is the work and uh, the approach of people who absolutely have no love or compassion or connection. To um, to what what it means to be in community, what it means to have a child, what it means to to be in a family, and to and to know that everyone is inherently valuable, um, and that people's experiences, um, children deserve to grow into who they are meant to be, not who you think they ought to be.
0: You know, you have the the good fortune. Your organization has the good fortune of being able to be in community and conversation with young people. Um, across the country, you have what uh, over 30 chapters uh, mm-hmm. of of GSA, um, you know, gender sexuality, you know, groups and 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 organizations where young people can come and and gather with with one another, and build community, and feel a sense of safety. What are some of the conversations that you can share with us, or some of the feelings, some of the themes um, that come up? that have been coming up because I, you know, I gotta tell you, Melanie, that I wake up some days and I'm like, I'm really glad that I am not a young person. Yeah. I am really, you know, it it looking at the world and being at an age where you are not able to vote, but you are able to understand exactly what is happening yeah. um, and exactly what, what forces are at play has got to be a really mm-hmm. scary uh, position. Right. Yep. And, and feel as if you have absolutely no power and control mm-hmm. uh, over what is happening. So what are some of the themes and things that have been coming up with with young people um, over your over your tenure thus far with Glisten?
1: Yeah. And let me just say um, at the outset that I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. That moment of I see the world legislating about me and my yep. existence, telling me who I am and I'm too young to participate. My the story of my kind of initial uh, politicization is from that exact moment, right? Being six months too young to vote in a thing that was, yeah. you know, that had me and people who looked like me at the crosshairs. And so two things. One, we have local chapters um, in 38 locations across the country. Those are um, caring adults, uh, educators, retirees, parents, community members right, who are looking to build uh, safe and affirming spaces for young people, and then also advocate locally and close by to the school in their area to make sure that that place is um, safe and affirming. And then there are GSAs all over the country, thousands of them. Um, And so here's what I would offer. Um, in terms of the themes, I think the bad news is the stuff that we know, right? The targeted harassment, um, the bullying, uh, the assaults, the, all of that happens both as young people, you know, between young people and each other, but also from adults who frankly know better, right who are uh, who are uh, who are just doing the wrong thing. Um, it's also true, right, that young people that the fight for young people to be able to access all parts of school life, continues to be underway, right? Can I use a bathroom? Can I be on a sports team? Can I participate? Can I like, do I have clubs and um, and uh, spaces that are affirming to me? Do I see myself in my curriculum, right? So those are the kind of the major themes in terms of interpersonal harms and frustrations, et cetera. We also know because of the pandemic that all of our mental health has suffered, right? Mm. But as an adult, you and I have different you know, ways of coping with that, yep. have a different level of, of, of autonomy and independence. And you know, what is unfortunate is that this pandemic has shown the 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 kind of underlying fault lines of our society, right? If you were doing okay before the pandemic, you're under more stress, but you're probably gonna be doing okay after it, right? But if you weren't doing okay, if you were just barely hanging on, if you if home wasn't a safe space, if school was your safe space, then things have gotten materially and significantly worse because of the isolation uh, and because of these important spaces and supports being unavailable given the public health crisis that we're in. And then here's the other thing I would say is that the benefit of, this is is the key theme, I think that is super beautiful, is that young people see the possibility. They see Mm. the possibility of this moment. Right. You and I, I think, you know, have a uh, have a limitation because of, you know, the years that we've lived like we see things that are possible. We know what we've been through. We've you know, we've seen some things that we think we know some things. These young people are like, it doesn't have to be this way. And here's why. And here's what it could be like. Right. So there's a way in which um, at Glisten, even though we are, you know, smarty pants adults working both upstream to change the rules, to change the, to make sure that the setting is right for young people to be able to grow. And learn in a way that is unaccosted, right? That is free and liberated and liberating. Uh, we are also the folks who are, you know, sitting and standing shoulder to shoulder with these young people, saying, "What do you think we ought to be doing? What do you, you tell me? What education ought to be like? You tell me what is what? What does safe um, and affirming mean to you? Because we've got our bright ideas, um, but it's but to me, I think that the the key themes are that the stuff that we know is wrong is wrong. Um, and there, young people are, ex- are experiencing it. And however bad the pandemic is for us adults, it's even harder on young people. And two, um, it's that they are really um, tapped into the possibility, to the beauty of what's of what's possible. They see the foolishness that is going on around them for exactly what it is. It's like, what is any of this, right? It's, like, it's a as a person who is kid free. Um, I enjoy young people, like, asking questions why. I know how difficult that could be for actual parents when you just want them to take a bath or eat a meal or go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got the auntie privilege of being, like, on the side, like, yeah, you should ask why. So um, (laughs) And keep doing it. (laughs) 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 Exactly. So I get to be inspired by young people and their questions and their critiques. Um, And, again, it's the best job in the world. It's the best job to have in the world.
0: You know, I I, I love the fact that you say um, possibility, um, and, and that is the lens at which they're seeing the world through, because, you know, I, I, had, I asked a, a question earlier this week in an, in an op-ed that I wrote that was, you know, what does it mean to be an American right now? What does it mean to like, if you have no shared values and morals anymore, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, if we're not operating from the same foundation and base, which, you know, mm-hmm. we can be honest about the fact that. People of color, queer people have never been operating from the same base. But there was always the the essence of America has always been about the possibility of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that when that is eroded, that is when we have deep, deep issues, right? Deep, deep problems. And there is an erosion that is happening right now. Um, But to hear that young people can still look around and say, you know, this doesn't really have to be this way. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I hope that they continue to hold that truth and don't fall into the malaise of the status quo. Um, because I think that that is, that's dangerous. Right. And, 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 and that's what happens. We all are young and we feel like we can change a system. And then you realize that the system is a behemoth, um, and you can, and you decide to pick your part that you want to invest in changing, um, and, and, and go from there, um, Melanie, last question for you. What are your, what are some of your hopes and your vision as you take on this new, exciting role at, a, at this critical, critical juncture in, in our society? Yeah.
1: You know, so there, I, I would say kind of four top things, right? So we are a national organization that strives to have a local impact. And I think that there's a way in which what does it mean for us to have coordinated national campaigns, visibility, impact and be in deep support partnership alliance with folks on the ground who understand the intricacies of what it means to be queer or trans in school in Kansas and in Phoenix and in the Hudson Valley here in New York? Right. It's like we are we get our power because of the expertise and the reach and the connections of folks at our um at our grassroots. The other piece is, you know, it's good old organizing, right? It's really about activating people. How are we getting our people connected to each other? Because the, the, the other side wins when we believe the lie that no one is like us, no one agrees with us, they're actually probably right where something is wrong with us. It's like, no, actually there are more of them, there are more of us than there are of them. And when we connect our people and give them something to do that, that both makes them feel powerful and connects them with others, we're winning. The other thing I would say is that we have to be very clear around, pro- around our work to promote, engage, and expand civic participation. And civic engagement, right? Mm-hmm. This is not about like voting. Um, and I know there was like jokes on Twitter just a couple weeks ago around like Diddy's, you know, vote or die campaign. <laughs> um, and so, it but it really is around ongoing political and civic engagement, right? We ha- the fight is always happening. It, it's happening at every level. It's happening at the policy level, at the federal level, and at states. It's happening in classrooms. It's happening with people bringing guns to school board meetings. Right. What we have to do is not cede a single inch to folks who are um, who are committed to and are vocal about silencing, harming, targeting LGBTQ plus kids, transgender and gender non and gender expansive kids, and BIPOC kids who are all of those folks, right um, mm-hmm. and beyond. And so. We have to get really clear that this is not just about voting. We have to get really clear that politics is local, politics is everywhere, and we have to stand the fight all the time. And then I think we've got to be also clear and unapologetic about our demand to increase and expand safety. Every child should be able to go to school free in 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 an environment that's free from harm. Not only free from harm, but we know that I'm not going to learn. You're not going to learn if I'm worried about if I'm hungry if I'm worried about who's gonna attack me, um, harass me, et cetera. If I think that you know the way that someone reads my face might get a school resource officer or some other adult with a weapon to come in and, and handle me, I'm not gonna be available to learn. So what does it mean for us to increase and expand safety so that kids are in their minds, in their hearts and in their bodies are, are safe, are open, to take in learning. Um, and so I think that that's, those are really the the, the big directions uh, moving forward. It's like local to, national to local impact, people activation, civic participation and engagement, particularly because young people see the future, young people see the possibility and young people have not had to choose their part yet in like, okay, I'm gonna survive. So I've gotta be a part of the system in this way, right? While trying to maintain their humanity, they are still pure and untouched, right? By the cynicism that comes with, um, that comes with life and experience. And then we have to be really, again, really unapologetic and really clear around what it means to increase safety and expand safety for every single student, particularly um, students who are LGBTQ+, that's our focus. But we also have to, we also understand at the heart of all that, it's about racial justice, it's about gender justice, it's about disability justice, because if you are a student of color, if you are gender expansive, if you are um, a person with with a disability, neurodivergent or diverse, you are more likely to be targeted more likely yeah. to be pushed out of school, less likely to be served. Um and and again, queer kids are all kids. Um every single kind of kid. Our kids come from every single community. And so and so all kids are in our remit. All kids are part of our a part of our charge. And so that's what we're out here doing.
0: I'm really excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the organization. I'm excited for all of us who have been on the periphery um, of working with Glisten um, and just you know queer adults who are you know frankly really concerned um, yeah. uh, about about our youth uh, and I don't think that we have these conversations enough so I hope Melanie that you will make time to come back to Woke AM, um and and continue the conversation with us about what folks uh, can do to make sure that we are uplifting. Uh, and supporting young people in these deeply challenging times.
1: Yeah, thank you so much uh, for having me. It's been uh, it's been a real honor to 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 meet you, to get to talk, and to be uh, to be here with you. So, um, invite me back anytime, and I'll I'll make it happen. So
0: wonderful. Um, and
1: also, folks should go to glisten dot org to figure out how they can get connected and plugged in.
0: Fantastic.